Welcome. <laughs> it is Monday, July 25th, and uh, the Giants are dead. And um, this might be a, a podcast of mourning because uh, it's not good to speak of the ill of the dead. Um, and I just don't think they deserve a roast. So, <laughs> right? Because roast means you feel something positive. Anyway, the Giants went on an eight-game road trip after the All-Star break. And, uh, and, and it's like they never actually went on the trip. They showed up for a good two or three of those games. And they won one. So they won one of those games. <laughs> the Yankees tried to give them wait, that was the game that the Yankees tried to give them and the and the Giants refused it. Um <laughs> but in San Diego, the Giants played the San Diego Padres, which is not a baseball team the Giants have struggled with at all this year. And um yeah. <laughs> it didn't go well. It, it didn't go well. The first game was boring. Madison Bumgarner gave up two homers and the Giants lost. The second game was uh, not quite as boring, though I think we all, all would have been a lot happier if it had been, because that was the game where Sonia Garcia balked off. Balked off? <laughs> he he didn't just balk off. He forgot how to pitch. <laughs> I. I mean, that's that's a good metaphor, I guess, for the Giants, but I don't like metaphors that much in my sports. So I prefer I much prefer them as narrative later. So, <laughs> yeah, the whole thing, <laughs> the whole thing is like, no, I, I turn on sports for an escape for escape from the insanity of the world. There's, <laughs> it's straightforward. It makes sense. Uh, but nothing the Giants did uh, made any any sense uh these past past this past week what what uh, yeah it's just so the giants are still in first place let's look at the positives they have 58 wins they're 58 <laughs> and 40 um uh and and um and they're getting healthy <laughs> <laughs> so those are all strong positives yeah absolutely and uh not any they no more of them got hurt on the road trip yeah 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 um uh <laughs> johnny cueto's probably not sick anymore yeah that was nice it, we're we're bouncing around folks but uh his <laughs> his start in san diego was embarrassing when you consider what the team is and compared to how well he's been pitching but apparently, whatever sleep he got or extra rest, um, he was pumping 94-mile-an-hour fastballs by the Yankees hitters, which Jeff Samarja couldn't do. God knows he tried. Uh, <laughs> and and he looked a lot – you know, he looked really good. He looked like Johnny Cueto again, basically. Um, although maybe the Padres are somehow mighty now. I don't know. <laughs> but essentially, they hosted the All-Star game, and uh, Johnny Cueto started – Buster Posey started, Brandon Belt pinch hit, Madison Bumgarner was there, and Brandon Crawford was snubbed. And wouldn't you know it, all of those guys <laughs> were deeply effect like deeply ineffective after the All Star game. <laughs> they were. I'm my feeling is Brandon Crawford snub. You know that's an emotional thing. He's emotionally devastated. He'll never recover. Like Brandon Crawford, not only could he not hit on this road trip, he could not field. 
He no, he he just decided that um, throwing was just not a thing that he was interested in doing anymore. And then he decided that catching was overrated. <laughs> <laughs> that bobbles were were fun. Uh, maybe this is though a Sacramento Kings hosting the Lakers in the early 2000s when they intentionally poisoned Kobe Bryant's food situation. And the Padres were like, we've got the Giants right in this corner. They've embarrassed us this, the entire season so far. The Giants were 10-0 and against the Padres. And so they were like, okay, they're here. Let's just like, you know, like give them undercooked meat, um, shake their hands as often as possible after blowing our noses with our bare hands. And, like, maybe that was it. Maybe that's what the Padres did. I wouldn't put it past them, you know? They're like, here, have this soup. But it turns out they cut off a little bit of Andrew Kashner's beard and put it in the soup. You can't <laughs> you can't survive that. Or just had Andrew Kashner make the soup. Right. Because God knows Andrew Kashner never bathed or washed it under his fingernails. Or... <laughs> and Andrew Kashner was, was a very interesting start because he looked great, but he didn't look great. It was a little bit like yesterday's... Um, Eovaldi uh, start, which is like 94, 95, 96, and then, whoa, ball that almost goes to the backstop like a couple <laughs> of times, like every at-bat, and the Giants just couldn't pin it down. But uh, we should probably talk about how on this eight-game road trip, the Giants had two off days. <laughs> they play- We're not even talking about the middle series in Boston for two games, which I think we all knew was just going to be two blowouts. Which is basically what they were. I mean, I I can't. Anyone who thought the Giants had a chance in any of those games was living in fantasy land. Uh, those are gonna, you know, I was surprised that the Giants only allowed that Jake Peavy pitched well uh, enough, and he only gave up four runs. But the second game, uh, that was exactly as expected. Um, in any case, on this entire road trip, the nine the Giants went nine for seventy two with runners in scoring position, and against the Yankees. The, that series, they were three for 31. And the Giants have had pretty good fortune when it comes to hitting with runners in scoring position for most of the season. And so this could, this is very likely just balancing things out. But I also want to say maybe batting order has a little tiny bit to do with it in some of these cases because Ramiro Pena following up Mac Williamson doesn't necessarily strike me as the best. <laughs> As the best way to do that, <laughs> to stack the hitters. Um, Crawford's struggling, so maybe you leave him five, but then Gillespie ahead of Williamson, and then Pena, and then Brown, like for instance yesterday. But even on Saturday, Williamson was hitting behind Connor Gillespie. Um, and Connor Gillespie's going to give you probably a good at-bat, but he's, he's the sack fly guy. So <laughs> he's not the drive-in-the-run guy or necessarily. So, I don't know, Mac Williamson seems like he should have hit a little bit higher in the order, for example. Um, and probably Denard Spann for the Yankee series. He could have hit ninth, and the Giants wouldn't have lost anything there. <laughs> yeah, Denard Spann, I mean, the the problem is that the guys you want in the lineup, you know, the big guys are struggling, and so you kind of start overanalyzing. Oh, should Connor Gillespie or Mac Williamson hit sixth against a right-hander? And, you know, Bochy's going to hit Williamson a little lower because it's the whole righty-lefty, righty-righty thing. Um, that's just kind of who he is. It's not a good thing, necessarily, but, you know, Bochy... By now, Bochy is Bochy. Yeah. 
And, uh, but I think that all those problems would go away if, for example, Brandon Belt did a better job of looking like a major league hitter, which would be nice. Yeah. Because he is, he is one, I think. It's like, it's like he brought, you know, he's like, well, people are really in nostalgia right now. I'm going to bring back the hole in my swing. Yeah, uh, Brandon Crawford had not, uh, or Brandon Belt, we had talked about this either on the All-Star Croncast or the one before, but Belt had done a good job of basically not falling into this thing that he does every year. And wouldn't you know it, right out of the All-Star break, <laughs> that's he's, it's, he's playing the greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest hits of his awfulness. Uh, but yeah, this is classic bad Brandon Belt. It's the tailspin version. Not the beloved Disney after-school cartoon tailspin. The actual, this plane is going down tailspin. Right. Uh, um, yeah. Beloved Disney cartoon would have been a lot stronger choice, I think. Yeah, look at that blue. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. This is just baseball happening, but it's sort of the most treacherous, unfair version of it where it's happening to everybody at once. And I think we're at the point now where we can safely say, you know, Buster Posey is still able to deliver big hits, but let's not pretend he's going to be Giancarlo Stanton or, you know, he's not going to, or Andrew McCutcheon even, like that he's going to, you know, in fact, that's an interesting comparison just because Andrew McCutcheon had sort of a dreadful first two and a half months of the season and Buster Posey has not. He's had a very steady one. But he's not, you know, Belt was sort of picking up his slack. And with Pence gone, you kind of had an amalgam of other guys combining to pick up the slack. But, um, you know, Posey's been either hurt or just having to do too much. But he hasn't really looked like the most amazing guy on the team, which is fine because he's been solid the whole way through. But when you have Belt and Crawford and Span and whatever's going on with, uh, uh, the middle inf- the other middle infielders, all either slumping or just being you know replacement level. It's a problem. Yeah, the Giants have lots of problems uh, on the hitting side right now, and then the pitching side is not looking great either. When you trust basically only Bumgarner and Cueto, I mean, I I guess that's not fair. You trust Jeff Samarja to give up two home runs a game, and <laughs> um, that that is a form of trust. Yeah. <laughs> he almost got back to one home run per game. I mean, for his career, he's still at that. But <laughs> for the season, he need he needed to give up three yesterday. He only gave up two. He almost gave up three on his last hitter, the third one on his last hitter. But Didi Gregorius not quite as powerful as Carlos. Yeah, Pichon. that's a, that's a bit of a shame, I guess, for him. Yeah. He's really given it a shot. Yeah, uh, I was very surprised that Mark Teixeira has the same bat speed. Uh, <laughs> I mean, good for him. That's great. And good for the Yankees. But uh, I was a little surprised by that. Um, yeah. So the rotation is very top heavy. And, you know, Jake Peavy is a number five starter. Matt Kane is probably not a baseball player. <laughs> Matt Kane is better than Tim Lincecum. Mm, yeah, but by how much? <laughs> so, like, they'd both be DFA'd, but who, you know, faster? So. Yeah, the Giants are going to keep him on the roster for the rest of the year, for yeah. sure. Um, and it's just, I think the 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 tricky part is, you know, the it's not that the Giants stumble; it's that they're just falling. 
They're, they're just <laughs> like they just jumped off the cliff and they forgot to put on their their uh, parachute, you know. And it's just like, okay, is is uh, Superman gonna fly in and save them, or are they just gonna like land in a thicket, a thorny thicket, and survive and walk away? Uh, I mean, if Hunter Pence turned out to be Superman, that would be, be pretty fun. Yeah, be you wouldn't be surprised. He is an alien. Hunter Pence is still two weeks away. Yeah, uh, maybe what? Maybe one. I mean, he's he's already started. He played his first rehab game, so he'll probably play. Uh, well, I guess he played. Did he play yesterday too? I'm not sure because he played Saturday night. That was his first. Yeah, and the Giants are moving off of playing players like four in a row and then bringing him up. So they could slow cook this, and if he doesn't get hurt. He could probably be back up in a week, but it seems more like just the way things have been going with their injury luck, like two weeks. Um, right. And then, you know, Joe Panic was supposed to be back, they were hoping, this weekend, uh, this past weekend for the Yankee series. So he's probably another week, week and a half away, too. Yeah. Um, and then Ari Adrianza, who we all definitely think about a lot. <laughs> Uh, is he's he's playing rehab games. He's been playing rehab games for a little while, so he'll be back probably fairly soon, I would think. I don't know who they're going to send down for him. And then Matt Duffy's going to start playing rehab games sometime, like, I think within a week. So it's uh, it's just one of those things, Giants fans. You've just got to, you know, got to hope, right? There's nothing, There's no, there are no major changes that can be made. You've got to hope. You know, if they trade for a reliever, what good is there one reliever going to do at this point when Brandon Belt looks like 2011 Brandon Belt? You know, <laughs> what's there's no you can't do anything about that. Um, if you know Brandon Crawford has to remember how to be an all star caliber shortstop, he's he just forgot it's two weeks and everyone's forgotten how to play baseball well. That doesn't mean they can't. You know, Johnny Cueto picked it back up. Uh, Madison Bumgarner did had a bad start in San Diego, and he had a not great start in New York. But at least in the New York start, he was able to kind of turn it around as the game went on. So it, it's tough because he's those two starts back up maybe one of the best starts he's ever had as a major league baseball player, and uh, and like that's got to be a top that's a top five start for him easily. Yeah, uh, oh. you know, and he's done a lot in his career. I'm talking. You know, top five in his career, including playoffs. I'm just saying that that's how impressive it was. Um, now he's, you know, so he's not forgotten or suddenly bad. Uh, it's just that the Giants can't afford when he and Cueto don't do well at this point because Samarja, Kane, and Peavy do not necessarily give them a great chance to win. And it worked when the offense was clicking, but it is not clicking. And I don't know what they're going to do about Span because. You know, taking pitches but then making outs is not fantastic, and he's not getting on base like at 380 or something where it is it is mitigated. He's at like 350, and you know, any runners on base, he's not really doing very much. He's not really stealing bases when he's on base. Um, and then there's Angel Pagan, whose def- defense is going to be whatever. And sometimes he'll totally not pay attention and miss a ball sailing <laughs> to the backstop, which could have made him the go-ahead run. Uh, and then the Giants fail to score in that inning when he's on third base. Uh, so I don't, you know, it. <laughs> Pagan giveth and he taketh away. He's like one of their better hitters this year. Yeah, no, he has been. He's um, 
after you know his, his OPS is in the the high seven hundreds, which is is not bad. You know, he's been especially in a in a pitcher's park like AT and T. He's been pretty steady all year. His defense has been not great, but uh, at the plate, you know, you're you're not dreading his at bats, which is nice. Right, and he's <laughs> been, you know, he got a triple. I was a little worried when he slid in the third yesterday that, up, oh, he's gonna stand up hurt. <laughs> but he's for at least for now, he's been able to avoid that. Um, Jarrett Parker has been a capable fill-in, but I think you know we all want to see Mac Williamson get some consistent at bats uh, for the next couple weeks until Pence comes back. Uh, and he doesn't have. I'm gonna keep saying this because I think it's coming through. He has a slight reverse platoon split, so there's no problem starting him against righties. Although tonight's starter Anthony DeSclafani for the DeSclafani for the Reds, he's he's a tough right-hander. So if Williamson starts and looks bad, it's gonna get blamed on it righty righty when DeSclafani is a great pitcher, but or is a tough pitcher when it's really righty good pitcher. Right, exactly. Also, it's like well, Posey. <laughs> Never mind. I can't compare everyone to Buster Posey. That's unfair. But it's sort of like the at some point the the platooning gets absurd. Um, yeah, yeah. So the a one and seven road trip. Uh, the Giants are home this entire week. They play every day as opposed to having two off days, which was weird last week. Um, and they're going to face the Reds, like I just said, and then they're going to face the Nationals for four games. So I'm thinking a two and five week pretty easily. <laughs> <laughs> um, I th- I think they can win four, but I also don't feel comfortable making predictions because predictions are just a way to look stupid. <laughs> I don't know. I was looking pretty good through yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no, yeah. Through when was it? The Sunday, Saturday, or Saturday, they, right? <laughs> that they finally were like, no, Brian, no, we're going to win more than fifty-seven games this year. Uh, but six games out of the all-star break and just not even looking competitive for five of them, uh, five of those losses. Um, well, yeah, they almost came back in the one Red Sox game. And then, you know, the Bochi pinch hit Gregor Blanco for Mac Williamson. And that just disaster. That's why they lost that game. I'm going to go with that. Well, Gregor Blanco had two devastating pinch hit performances in the road trip. I think it was also Friday night against the, against the Yankees. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you hate to see that happen. And you, uh, Grant pointed out in his recap for the double play or in the Friday one, but referred to the double play one. It's like, well, you know, Gregor Blanco doesn't hit into a lot of double plays. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like the, the the thinking was sound. But at some point, it's it's sort of weird that that. Well, when you think of Bochi as going with his gut, you tend to think of him as, as skewing or uh, kicking to the side of the numbers eschewing the numbers that's what it right for. and he goes with his gut and his gut tends to go to the matchups so, <laughs> so it's a little strange because you know whatever uh he just doesn't think that in those situations that that's giving the team the best chance to win when it's righty righty and you know gregor blanco up until this year has been a very capable pinch hitter and late inning replacement guy so there's a lot riding in that decision that makes sense so uh, and also, the Giants can't win right now. So no matter what he did, it didn't. It wouldn't matter. It would have been wrong, yeah. and we would have yelled at him. Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, the Red Sox comeback game was well. It wasn't. Re- it, 
it didn't it never felt like a comeback just because the Giants got down so early so quickly and 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 it's like oh oh the the Red Sox are up eight nothing in the third inning this game is over and then the Giants made it eight to seven but you're still thinking oh the 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 Giants have to pitch their bullpen still <laughs> so I don't know <laughs> I'd like to point out Giants bullpen was great in New York in the next series right but they really did a good job there that was weird. But comparatively, the Red Sox offense is is like a different planet compared to the Yankees offense. <laughs> that uh, is true. Albert Suarez, you know, probably probably shouldn't have pitched that third inning, um, but uh, it didn't. It really didn't matter. <laughs> it did. It just didn't matter. When your team gets down eight to nothing after three innings, you know, you're. It's very rare you're going to come back and win. And on the road, it's like it's just. It's not going to happen. Uh, Mac Williamson, one for three in that game. Trevor Brown, three for five in that game. Trevor Brown has had a very nice season. He has had a, I would say, perfect backup catcher season. Yeah, it has been. He's been, you know, he's been a capable enough hitter. Um, and he's been, he's been good defensively. And he's basically been catching Jake Peavy every game, which is such a thankless task that you can't even get on him for any sort of pitch framing or anything. <laughs> If you were bad at that, because like, really, what does it matter with Jake <laughs> this year? Uh, who has the better OPS, Connor Gillespie or Denard Span or Trevor Brown? Sorry. Oh, Connor Gillespie or Trevor Brown? Yeah, who has the better OPS? Ooh. Honestly, offhand, I would have said Gillespie, but the fact that you're asking this question means it's probably Brown. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> uh, Connor Gillespie, they both have the same on-base percentage. Uh, 299 that might be different after yesterday's game i just don't have that stat but uh <laughs> 732 to 699 and then denard span compared to trevor brown uh trevor brown is also better than denard span fewer yeah, at bats fewer at bats but denard span is like 677 which is gregor blanco territory yeah <laughs> so that is bad <laughs> that is bad that is bad uh, and, and his on-base percentage is, is down to, you know, it's below 340 at this point. So he's not really, he's kind of hurting the team. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, hurting the team at this point. Defensively, I think he's been fine, right? We're all yeah, I mean, he, seem, fine. he seems okay. Like, he had a little bit of a rough start, but since then he's been, you know, he's been fine. You can't really complain about most of the balls he doesn't catch. And, you know, sometimes he'll get to one you don't think he will. Yeah. He's been fine. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that the Giants' defense, except for you know the shenanigans that have happened on this road trip, I feel like it's not really hurt the team overall too much. Uh, I'm sure Fangraphs will tell me otherwise, because Fangraphs <laughs> always tells me otherwise. Right, <laughs> that's what they do. Yeah. That's actually their tagline: Fangraph, <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> so uh, you know, you you hope that coming home is going to turn things around, but you know. Just to bring that back up again. And the Reds are a bad team. They're objectively a bad team. But the Reds have played the Giants well at AT&T Park, good or bad. Um, okay, I, so I have an update on that. Fangraphs right now has the Giants as the best defensive team in the majors. Great, great. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So, which is saying a lot because the Giants pitching puts a lot of balls in play. So they're a really good defense. There. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they're going to come home. They're going to face a team that's going to play them tough, even though they're not good. That makes sense, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, the Phillies played them tough at 18. The, the Phillies are a little bit better team than the Reds they're because little... the Reds are awful. 
but it is you know probably the Reds' best pitching pitcher right now, uh, going against Jake Peavy, and then it's um, you know Matt Cain and and Bumgarner. So, you know, I'm saying the Giants will win two of those games, but really it could just be one of those games. <laughs> Uh, and then the the Nats come into town, and and the Nationals the Nationals are really good, and they have a a not a competent manager. They have a good, a, almost a great manager, you could say, uh, and they're playing Trey Turner, um, who is white, by the way, if you didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he uh, and so they're playing their young guys. They're uh, they've got. I, I think they sent down Giolito. But their starting pitching is fantastic. You know, they've got Bryce Harper. Hunter Strickland versus Bryce Harper. That'll be a fun matchup um, <laughs> for at least two of the games in the series because it's a four-game series. You know, I just think that the Nats have a chance to make it a really miserable time for the Giants. I mean, they could, but it's not like the Nats are a perfect team either. So hopefully that'll show up. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then even looking ahead, I mean – we're talking about the Giants playing badly right now and wondering how it's going to get better based on what they have. And we'll get to your questions in a second. But, you know, you look look ahead to this week. You think, okay, they're going to be home. That's fine. And then they go on a nine-game road trip right after that. And, uh, and they're going to go to um, Philadelphia. I'm already getting the teams wrong. I know Philadelphia's in there and Miami's in there. And oh, and Washington. So they go Philadelphia, Washington, and Miami. Well, they never win in Miami, so there's three losses. <laughs> uh, they're gonna play in, in the Nats. That's three losses, and maybe they'll get one in Philly. So you know, this could get this could get really rough. This could be like 21 out of 24 that they lose, um, and still probably be not that far behind in in the standings, or still in first place somehow. <laughs> The Dodgers are co- are littered with injuries, um, and the Giants are still somehow three games ahead. So, um, so that's looking forward, and we've already looked behind. So now let's answer your Twitter questions, which could oh, be. We, should, we should do. Oh, should we should we do, pitch uh, all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, thanks for keeping us honest, Doug. We have to pick <laughs> our our player of the week. <laughs> do you have a nomination? <laughs> Uh, I do. I think my player of the week was who the shit even cares who. <laughs> who the shit even cares who was the best hit, Giants best hitter this week. Uh, who the shit even cares who was the Giants best fielder this week. Who the shit even cares who was the Giants best pitcher this week. Somehow. <laughs> who the shit even cares who did it all for the Giants this week on such a tough road trip. Who the shit even cares who really shined bright. <laughs> and I guess the runner up would be Mac Williamson. <laughs> and that's been who the shit even cares. <laughs> uh, with Doug Prisoni. I, I would say that uh, Cueto should probably be uh, an honorable mention and George Contos for having a good appearance. So. Yeah, he did. We we should actually recognize that because those are very rare. Uh, what's the worst? There is no best game of the week. You can't count that win. It was an extra innings garbage game. Um, I feel like you can count that win because it was a win and it happened. <laughs> Brian. You were way off when you said they go zero and eight. They went one and seven. Admit it. (laughs) They went one and seven. Uh, (laughs) Was that really the best game of the week, though? Wouldn't the best game of the week be the Red Sox game, the second one, for going exactly as we planned it to? Like sometimes when things meet your expectations so perfectly, that's to be commended. 
No, I didn't expect the Giants would score a bunch of runs off Drew Pomeranz. <laughs> um, that's right. The Giants did make the Red Sox fans nervous about their trade. So that actually probably was the best game of the week because <laughs> the Giants only won uh, in a very scummy way. <laughs> right. The Giants, you know, the Giants, maybe maybe they did lose, but at least they made Red Sox fans feel bad about themselves, <laughs> right. which is always a noble goal. <laughs> so a net positive. Um, uh, the worst game of the week. I mean, there's so many so many nominations, but I don't think you can top the balk off. The balk off was an awful game, but it was at least interesting for long, long stretches. I'm going to say the the first game coming off the All-Star break, the Bumgarner start, was just boring. All right. That's a, that's a good, bad one. I mean, they're, they're really all good, bad ones. Uh, Casilla, though, is still pretty steamed about uh, the possibility of not being the closer anymore. He still thinks he can do the job. Doug, I have a question. Have we firmly, with Santiago Casilla, entered Armando Benitez territory? No, because we've seen Sonia Garcia do good things for the Giants. I don't think he could ever really be Armando Benitez territory. This is a good point, because Armando Benitez never did anything good for the Giants. This is objectively true. <laughs> right. The only good thing he ever did was get traded for Randy Messenger, and that's only good because we can still laugh at the time Randy Messenger broke his hand punching a wall or whatever. Uh, I would say that's the second best thing he ever did for the Giants. The first one being that he gave up that three-run home run to JT Snow in the 2000. 2000- and LDS. Well, that seems like a good thing, but remember the Giants lost that game the next inning. So I'm really... just saying, what are the out of all the things he's done well for the Giants? Right. Like, what it, did Randy Messenger go on to do anything for the Giants? No, but at least we got that commercial out of JT Snow's home run. So... That's true. Yeah. <laughs> we had a we had a half a positive historical memory, historic memory for the Giants <laughs> in the first year of AT and T Park. Yeah. Um, I remember after that game, watching on Baseball Tonight, uh, how completely pissed Buck Showalter, who was at the time just the, uh, on the panel, how mad he was because of how short the right field it was to right field, <laughs> <laughs> and how high the wall was. You're just so mad, um, and that was great. Uh, all right, so that that's all fine. I always forget that when the Giants are so bad, <laughs> when they lose, I tend to forget that we have to pick the good stuff. Because uh, really, what good is there? I couldn't really come up with a game this week, so we're just gonna do the questions. We take. Uh, I'm always open to anyone having ideas for possible games that we could play. I think last week with the All Star Croncast, that was a lot of fun guessing the all time butt ass Giants team. Um, I think we just saw one of the uh, best butt ass Giants performances of the past week. Or the past two weeks, like that was a pretty impressive. Um, I'm, I keep saying two weeks. I keep thinking of the last series win they had. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, since the All Star break, these have been the butt ass Giants. They have unequivocally, yes. yeah. And this is exactly what I I I set this up. I jinxed <laughs> the hell out of this because I was like, you know, what we haven't seen all year. They go into <laughs> these stretches where they just don't look like they can play baseball, and here we are. <laughs> So we're always looking forward to games. I feel like, Doug, that I never topped the uh, Big Spoon, Little Spoon idea, which is the very first thing we did. So- yeah, Big Spoon, Little Spoon, Spoon is fantastic. And we, you know, it's uh, 
Yeah. It's a shame, but it's like that Jeff Smarja first month. Haven't really topped it since. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to your Twitter questions, uh, which, oh, and again, you can always send them uh, at any time throughout the week to at McCroncast, our Twitter account. And, you know, someone looks at those and we'll answer them. Uh, so the first question that I have, do you have them? I have some. I, I do. So the first question we actually just answered, which was, what curse did you put on from hashtag sources at ELBEE37? LB37. What curse did you put on the Giants and can you stop it? Brian cursed them by saying that butt ass Giants hadn't showed up this year. Yeah. Um, can we stop it? No, no one can ever stop a curse on purpose. Yeah. You can only stop it by accidentally introducing another curse. Um, <laughs> but we can't do that on purpose. Yeah. So. I mean, we have to be like, yep, Jeff Samarja, never going to be good again, without any sort of curse forethought, and then he'll throw in three fantastic months and be like the World Series MVP. Yeah, I I kind of wanted to exp- like elaborate on what I meant initially to think that that would help with the curse, but that could just create a new curse. So yeah. I don't want... Yeah, yeah this is, that's true. All right. <laughs> what else? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, they're doomed. It's over. They're doomed. Yeah. Uh, next question from Scott Giorgio at Scotty DG one. If this stretch of games were a sandwich, what type of sa- what kind of sandwich would it be? This is a really good question because it forces me to think of the Giants uh, fondly and humor- <laughs> humorously, and I don't want to. So that's a good question because it's going to really force something out of me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the obvious answer is a shit sandwich. <laughs> See, to but me... That's not a real sandwich. That's all metaphorical. <laughs> right. See, to me, it's sort of like a sandwich that was really good two weeks ago, but has been sitting on the counter since then. So, like, a roast beef sandwich you made two weeks ago that you just left out and you forgot about, and then you saw it when you were like, oh, I should eat that. And then you did. And why did you eat that sandwich? Is that like the giant sandwich that Homer had that he left behind the radiator? Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. I think the Giants are kind of like a a Subway sandwich that's been sitting in the back of the fridge for those two weeks. And you think it's still good because it had been sitting in the back of the, free, the refrigerator for so long, packed in with everything else, it kind of froze a little bit. Yeah, it happens in the refrigerator if you're not. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So it's a little bit frozen. You think, okay, so the meat's actually been preserved pretty well there. But you're forgetting it's a Subway sandwich, so it's automatically garbage. But you paid for it, so you want to finish it. (laughs) And you're really hungry, and there's nothing else, and you're too lazy to go out and get anything to make a better sandwich. So you eat it, and then you get sick, and you wish you'd never gone to Subway. That's that's how the Giants are. (laughs) And you barf. You barf for like a week straight. That's right. Uh, or their or their Philly cheesesteaks, which I have not really ever enjoyed. <laughs> it's hard to say in terms of local cuisine. I think I prefer a Philly cheesesteak over a Chicago style pizza. Um, Ooh, I, I I I like the Chicago style pizza. Like I recognize it's not really pizza in the same way, but it is delicious to me. I think I'm okay with it in that term. If if like you were like you got to come to the, have this Chicago style pizza. I know it's not real pizza, but it's still a collection of cheese and sauce and meat. 
then I'm like, right. I'm fine with it. So if you put it in the, but don't, don't you ever dare. No one dares say Chicago style pizza is the best pizza because it is objectively not. <laughs> <laughs> it is its own thing. Um, all right. What else we got? All right. Our next question is from Kevbot at not really Calvin who asks, how does your perspective of MLB players change from the time they're all older than you to some being your age or younger? So this is a question we've kind of talked about off and on on the podcast. That was a question we asked Dan Zimborski was sort of like, when was like the first time you realized someone younger than you was really good at baseball and you just realized like, oh, <laughs> you had that, that moment. So how does our perception change when they're older or younger? Yeah, like, so, I mean, for me, right, it, it's a little hard because I'm not, I'm not quite at the age yet where um, players my age are like, I'm like, oh, well, he's getting old. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are players basically my age who are getting old. Matt Cain's a year older than me, and it's, that's no good. Uh, but I can still sort of, sort of look at them. But the, the problem is I still kind of look at them the same way. So I'm, I'm still like, oh, they're kids. Like, I, when I was 22, I was like, oh, they're kids. I'm like, I'm 30 now. I'm like, oh, they're kids. And they, they could be older than me. They could be 24, 25. I would still think that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mine is sort of the same. It hasn't really changed. But uh, to give it more, like what the baseball players I watched when I was eight years old, you know, in my mind, they were all adults. Right? Right. When you're a kid, they're just all adults. As my understanding of what an adult is has developed over the years, the way that they were adults to me as an eight-year-old is the same as now when I'm 35. Does that make sense? Like, I understood that they were older than me and just more adult or whatever, but I don't think that they're more mature than I ever thought. Right. uh, you know, I thought they were when I was younger, I just thought they were always good at baseball. I didn't think that they knew how to do a lot of different things. Uh, and I think now that I'm older, I'm I'm just sort of like, OK, they basically are really great at baseball and and they have been this is their whole life. And it's prevented, you know, they don't have the same. Some of them are learned and and and, you know, can talk about other subjects for a long time, but most of them can't. And there's nothing wrong with it. This is not a judgment thing. I'm just saying like what I thought of them as adults was simply that they're older and stronger and could play the game when I was younger. And now that I'm older, I'm like, they, that's basically what they are, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I, uh, and they're incredibly gifted. And I don't know. I, I guess I would say that the only real difference, the biggest difference is probably just that um, you can, I feel like I can appreciate cause I can actually see it, how hard they actually really do work. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think also a lot of the hard work back in back in the day it was sort of hidden from the fans, mm-hmm. um, in a way that it's not anymore. Yeah. And I think that that's actually really important. That and also they work harder now is the other thing. You know, not that not that I was around in the Mickey Mantle, you know, play a double header than drink twelve beers and play another double double header days. But um, as as time's gone on, they've been working out more and more and, and pushing themselves harder and harder because they've had to. You know, it's the, the whole thing with um, velocity now is so much higher because there's basically a velocity arms race. And so they work out more, they take care of their bodies more, they work harder. And that's the sort of thing that, that you notice a lot more now. Um, and I, I don't know if 
10-year-olds notice that all that much. I don't know if a 10-year-old 30 years ago would have been like, oh, man, Dan Gladden spends all day hitting, taking swings in the cage like we heard 10 years ago with Aaron Rowan. Right. Um, so it's, it's tough to tell. Oh, yeah, but I, I mean, if you, and if you watch any of the old games, you can sit, sit there and go, oh, my God, players today are, are so much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even, the wor- even the Gregor Blancos of the world, I, I, I'm throwing him under the bus unfairly, uh, you know, even the Emmanuel Burrises of today are probably slightly better than a baseball player 30 years ago. And Burris's case, yeah. it's very slight, but it's definitely you know, very, very slight. <laughs> he still wouldn't be able to hit a double or a home run, but he'd, <laughs> he'd be slightly better. <laughs> uh, but all you know what? I don't like the Burris example. That was a bad example from Brian, from me, because uh, I feel like he would play down to the competition. <laughs> it seems like it, right? It seems like you get caught up in that, and yeah. <laughs> but no, like Ramiro Pena, twenty or thirty years ago, oh, yeah. would have been a, a pretty good player. Like he would have been an unquestioned starter for a while on some team. Yeah, because he was borderline he, at, on this level. He's been borderline. So yeah, yeah. Aaron Rowan would probably be really good too. So. Right, they hadn't invented sliders yet, so <laughs> right. he would have been fine. Uh, all right, that's a good question. What else we got? Uh, from. Sammy at uh, Sammy Higgins. Do you think Crawford has something going on with his arm? A lot of his throws to first have been high lately, plus the errors. Uh, we talked about it a little bit lately. Is there something going on, do you think? Well, I think a couple of those throws were just like he was flat-footed and had to make them quick. Yeah. Uh, I know one the other day that was definitely the case. Um, it's possible those arms are, you know, just because they're not a pitcher doesn't mean that it doesn't make the arm suddenly okay with throwing the way that it does. It's not a natural way to, your arm's not really designed to throw that way and he throws hard and whatever, but it could be dead arm. There could be infield or dead arm for all I know, but I didn't know. (laughs) I haven't noticed anything other than he just doesn't quite look like himself. And there could be, you know, we know enough about baseball at this point, following it, all of us to varying degrees, but probably very closely i would say that there could be five reasons why he could be hurt and no one's saying anything he could be hurt and he hasn't told anyone he could have pulled something which is minor and they thought would go away he could be tired there could be something going on at home i'm saying way more than five you know he could just be discombobulated the heat that could have been a factor the travel uh the the time lag everything else there could have been a, a lot of factors the food poisoning I mentioned <laughs> also like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's like a lot of things that could factor into it. So, and as a fan, I guess the only thing we can do is uh, hope, hope like hell <laughs> that it's just one of those things that it, it's a hiccup and he'll, he'll just get over it or work. I guess as the players say, work through it and come tonight, you know, when they're playing the reds, he'll be fine. Uh, and that's very possible. We've seen that happen many times, or he could wind up on the DL and we'll go, Oh God, it's all dead. It's all over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think that anybody is really qualified to see if there's any mechanical problems. I haven't seen anybody notice that. I haven't noticed that. So who knows? It just, you know, sometimes sometimes baseball baseball players get the hiccups, you know, and sometimes they knob block. And I'm pretty sure this is the hiccups. Yeah, it's it's a long season. It's, yeah. And so there's going to be these stretches and you just kind of, 
I think that's the hardest part is you just don't like watching us everybody be so bad in this these huge long losing streaks. But it was a long it was a six game losing streak, which is the longest losing streak uh, that they had. They had one that long in uh, 2014. You know. So yeah. Uh, and and I mean, and not only was did they lose six six straight games, they had two off days in there. Plus, you had the whole All Star break, yeah. so that's twelve days. The Giants not winning, which is a really long time. Yeah, and and the Giants post game yesterday, you know, they're old players, and it always to me it always sounds like you know they're just making excuses because they want people to come back and listen or watch the game, and you know it's like it's a long season, folks. But basically, you know, Dwayne Kuyper's whole thing was like, this was a completely irregular road trip. So that would help explain why the Giants played not just badly, but completely irregularly badly. Uh, you know, just because, like you said, the off days and there's they had all their families and the Giants vacationers were with them. So they were out of their routines. And if there is one thing that has been very consistent, probably in the time that we've all grown up, is that everyone, all the broadcasters and the writers have always told us that baseball players are creatures of habit. So if you throw them off that habit in any way, they get really whiny piss baby about it, or it just subconsciously affects them in some way. So you gotta, <laughs> you gotta hope that the fact that they were playing disrupted in hot conditions, at least in the later part of the road trip against, I would say at least in the Red Sox, far superior team, that there is a lot of reasons why that this last road trip didn't go so well. Also, it's really hard to sweep a team 19 to 0. And so humiliating the Padres game after game after game is probably <laughs> going to catch up with them. Uh, and so if it just so happens that it happens the one time where they get swept in San Diego after the all-star break, you know, in September, come, come the end of September, if the giants are in the playoffs, we probably won't remember <laughs> what happened. <laughs> right. If the, if the giants go 16 and three against the Padres, it's not going to really be remembered. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, do you have anything else? Cause I have a bunch. Uh, oh, there's one from Moropi at Miss Moropi. Uh, the question is, uh, why do the giants suck? Or, um, how glad are giants fans that Linscombe isn't here yet after the DFA? I don't think Linscombe's going to be here other than maybe in September, if his career is ending as like a kind of ceremonial thing. Yeah, I feel like with Lincecum, I can't predict what the Giants will do. Because <laughs> That's I'm, true. I'm still pretty peeved about that two-year deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I I feel like for Lincecum, you know, his insistence on being a starter is what really hastened it. He probably could have finished the season if he had been a reliever. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess technically, as of this recording, I don't think he's been DFA'd, but... It's well, I don't coming. think he's going to. Yeah, I don't think he's going to last much yeah. longer. Uh, or if nothing else, he's going to move to the bullpen. So, uh, yeah, yeah. His fastball yesterday was like 88, which we've seen. Yeah. He, there's nothing new about any of this for the Giants fans. He's <laughs> been this way for five years <laughs> or four years. Uh, OK, so will Pence. Uh, this one's from at side out par. Will Pence ever play full season for SF again um, without a DL stint? I don't think so. It seems like a no. question. Yeah, I think that the way he's played for so long is just catching up to him. Yeah. It's uh, it, And also, you know, we're talking two more seasons. And he's going to be like 33 and 34 in those seasons or 34 and 35. So, no. 
<laughs> Absolutely not. He's gonna get hurt. Um, this I've got two from at Svensson nineteen, Steve Svensson, but I'm going to just pick one because it's most Giants related. Will the Dodgers' bevy of injuries, mainly Kershaw's, make the Giants' front office more comfortable with the current roster? No, no, <laughs> I don't think that they base how comfortable they are with the current roster based on um, based on the division. Or like a ba- having a bad deci- having a bad division. I think they're looking ahead to the playoffs and seeing, like, if if they thought they were automatic to win the division, which they don't, um, they would then be looking forward to the playoffs and seeing, well, what do we need to do to succeed there? And the bullpen's not good enough, and I think they see that. I also think that whether the Giants are worried or comfortable or uncomfortable is irrelevant because I think it's pretty clear that the Giants are not comfortable. What they're not comfortable with is trading the farm for maybe marginal upgrade. I, I think that that's the problem. Is like they could they could not like the roster they have for the reason you said, Doug. But I don't. I think their hand they're kind of stuck. There's not a lot they can do unless they're willing to trade like Joe Panic or something to really make a big upgrade in the way that they want. And then I think if you if you listening have been going to the site regularly. McCoveyChronicles.com, great content every day. But you'll see that uh, you know Grant and Doug, you guys have both been writing about um, basically the Giants' options or you know what they can do trade wise, or and to the point that Bobby Evans cited the site in an interview about Grant being spot on about what the Giants' options are for relievers. You're basically looking at like the Giants can give up a lot, a, a painful amount to get one let's say excellent reliever, right? That's essentially the argument. Uh, right. Uh, and it's it's a reliever. He's going to pitch 20, 20 more games this this regular season. And, you know, you're hoping that that's enough to get you into the playoffs. So you've given up a lot to get one reliever, and you're going to have to replace three or four of them next year. Um, and you're not going to have your prospects also to fill in your other other options your other thing the other thing is the way that the market is the seller's market for the most part and so even if the giants want to make uh you know get a doug henry or a tim morell or you know those really tiny kind of drive you crazy moves of like what are the giants doing and then they still go to the playoffs but (laughs) but uh if they make those moves that's still going to cost them you know tyler Beatty, or it's going to cost them uh it's going to cost them christian arroyo it's like, do you want to make that deal? Um, so that's that's the tricky part. And so comfortable or not, whatever's going on with the Dodgers, it doesn't matter. They look at their roster. It's like, okay, where can we most upgrade? Now, I say all this because, I don't know, I think Christian Arroyo probably the Giants would like to keep and have him up next year um, if they can do it and not give him up. Um, I, that's what I think. I think they would – they're probably – maybe Matt Duffy comes back and he – shows the adjustment, but maybe they're thinking like last year was a mirage um, because that makes the most sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so Matt Duffy suddenly becomes depth or org filler, or is it like a year for a year away from just disappearing, which is what his trajectory always kind of was except for last year. So I, I don't know. I look at the giants roster and I go, yeah, where are the changes to be made? Like yeah, the, the significant ones. You're not going to get Andrew Miller. You don't want Araldus Chapman. So then what? Uh, 
Grant floated David Robertson, and I like that. Even he's making he's got twenty five million dollars owed for his contract the next two seasons, and then he has an option. And I didn't check to see if the option is based on innings or if it's if it kicks in or if it's a mutual or just a straight team option. But you know, twenty five million dollars next two years for a reliever for a closer is is a lot of money. And uh, I don't think the Giants have spent that much money on a closer before. So um, that's something to yeah. consider. And then that's something to consider. Also, he's still owed about four and a half million dollars for the rest of this year. And they're already over the cap uh, or they're already in the luxury tax arena. I think we all can agree that the Giants probably Evans and company, when they made the pitch to ownership, they budgeted that in. There is some extra money, I'm sure, for a trade. But is yeah, there is yeah. one of one of the executives. I don't remember if it was Evans or Bear. Someone said that they would be they would prefer to take on salary rather than give up prospects in the trade. Right. So, so they have some breathing room. Yeah, but you just wonder how much it is. Is it five million dollars? Basically, I'm yeah, sure yeah. five million is okay. <laughs> So that you know, to get someone like Dave Rob- David Robertson, he's not Andrew Miller. He's not you know he's not going to throw 100 miles an hour. He's not necessarily an elite closer. He was an elite closer uh, for a brief window of time, and but you know you look at his numbers, his walks have gone way up, and you do wonder if it's something going on with the White Sox, which I want to pivot into, but I'm going to stick with this subject for a minute and stay on target. Um, but, you know, that's probably a, a deal like that would probably cost more than money. You know, it'll still cost a prospect. And, you know, if the White Sox really are selling, they are. it seems like they're an organization that's like, we want to sell, but we don't have to sell. So they're not going to make easy deals. Right. I mean, the Giants, the Giants do have um, some comfortable retro uniforms to offer, which I believe <laughs> the White Sox would jump at. Let's talk about that for a second because we can talk about the we can talk about the White Sox and related to the Giants in a moment. In case you didn't hear the news, which seems unlikely, but uh, the the White Sox best pitcher, who's one of the best pitchers in the American League for sure, Chris Sale, he took knives to the team's uh, throwback <laughs> uniforms on Saturday night because he didn't want to pitch in them because they're uncomfortable. So the team suspended him, and they played in their regular uniforms. I assume too. Uh, yeah, they had to. Yeah, had to. But the, there was a oh, there was a rain delay. So during the rain delay, the White Sox players were running around the clubhouse in the slashed uniforms. <laughs> so uh, so this so Chris Sale had this temper tantrum, and it's the second Chris Sale temper tantrum of the year. And it started with Adam LaRoche's son Drake LaRoche being banned from the clubhouse, essentially. Uh, he wasn't banned. I think he was like his his time there was curtailed. The the yeah. team went, can he not be here every day? And that caused Chris Sale to lose his mind. We're all in agreement. Chris Sale, I think, is twenty seven. He's he's young and he's got a good contract and he's a great pitcher. He's he's a twelve year old though, right? We're in agreement. Twenty seven going on thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I bring this up in relation to the Giants because uh, there was actually a third blow up that the White Sox had, which I just read about today. The White Sox, uh, or yesterday, the White Sox refused to pay to pay the Mariners uh, the clubhouse dues, and and they refused to tip the uh, visitor visiting clubhouse manager because the Mariners instituted a policy during the offseason when they had an opportunity to hire a new guy from outside the organization, so that they were like, okay, now we can change the rules. And this new guy's beholden to them, where the team gets sixty percent of the club dues and they get and they get the tips. 
um, and then they redistribute it with the clubhouse staff and whatever. The clubhouse dues pay for the food and, and the supplies that go in the clubhouse. So the visiting teams pay for that. It's always interesting to find out all the hidden costs hidden to us, the fans, of what being a baseball player is all about. Because everyone's like, that guy's making $10 million a year. Well, if you factor it all in, he's really bringing home like maybe, maybe five. Right. It's like, it's, and then it's like, that's well, still $4 million. I'm like, yeah, but if you, Joe, Joe Sixpack, were offered $20 million a year, you would take it. But if you came home with $8 million of that every year, you would go, well, that sucks. <laughs> and that does suck uh, for lots of reasons. But anyway, they have to pay for the dues, which, you know, I get it. That makes sense. I'm not complaining about it. I was just saying the cost of being a baseball player, they, they pay away a lot of that money for other things. Um, and in any case, it's not like they're just sitting on it, you know. Uh, <laughs> and But the Giants had the same policy that the Mariners had. The Giants instituted that last year when they hired a new clubhouse manager. Now, the Giants argued that, because they were this guy was moving from Seattle and he was bringing his family like so they were paying him a lot more that they were then managing the tips or something so that he wasn't getting paid extra on top of the additional amount he was already getting made and or getting and so that would go back to the other clubhouse attendants teams complained i think the white Sox might have been one of them or something uh, but it, so, yeah well it was the first team that complained the giants were like oh okay yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's a, that's an interesting thing. I'll, I'll let you talk about that for a second, Doug, because I can just keep <laughs> talking. But I think that's an interesting uh, thing that the Giants were involved in. Um, yeah, let me actually find it because let, let, let me get to my larger point. I think okay. it's interesting yeah. because Chris Sale did not want you know Chris Sale is their ace starter. He he's their number one starter by far. He's their most valuable trade chip. He has chosen the uniforms they get to wear whenever he starts. And for some reason, he couldn't because it was a throwback, you know. I guess it's like, you know, it's a marketing thing. And so he went on a tirade. Now, <laughs> I, I'm going to throw the Jake LaRoche thing out because I, I can't get on board with that. I think it's actually pretty ridiculous what was happening there uh, to a large degree. But isn't it interesting how the White Sox sort of in – Basically unprofessional ways. I guess I would say they're unprofessional to the outsider, but maybe not so much in baseball. But the White Sox have thrown two temper tantrums that have shine a, shone a light on kind of important things. Like they've <laughs> they've had good reason, in other words, to to protest in the way that they did. Yeah, no, it's I mean, the, I kind of understand sales protest. Of course, he was a total baby about it. Right. Um. But yeah, he, if he's saying, look, I've gotten to do this all year. I've never liked these uniforms. I shouldn't have to wear them. You know, there is some deference that you expect as the unquestioned ace of your team for a lot of years in a row about not having to do that. Yeah, and I, I feel like a player saying I'm uncomfortable wearing these uniforms, they're uncomfortable to wear, is a really big deal, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, and I feel like with the tipping and I, the you know the protest is basically that management is stepping into um, a player's thing because the clubbies have been considered extensions of the players. This is I'm just lifting whole passages yeah. from Hank Schulman's article at this point, but uh, uh, but you know they feel like this is management coming in and, and interfering in those transactions, and I think that's a legitimate criticism. 
I think yeah, that's a, no, it, it seems like it. Yeah, I think that's a perfectly reasonable line to draw and stance to take. And it, I, I think it's interesting that it gets painted as they refuse the tip because then that makes them sound like they're being jerks about it. But, uh, you know, I, I think isn't the more they refuse to pay into the new Mariners clubhouse system. Isn't that really what it is? Right, they refused to pay the sixty percent the Mariners would get to the club. Is would get their forty percent. Right, so that to me is you know it's it's interesting. It, it kind of you know opens my eyes to something that I, I didn't think. I think it's always tricky when it's management and labor, and I think that management is more than happy to maintain those lines, to draw those lines, and then maintain them as strongly as possible because it benefits them. And I think labor has every right to draw those lines too and maintain them. Yeah. So thanks, White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Chris Sale. Um, yeah. Um, well, thanks, Chris Sale, at least for entertaining us. Right. Yes, two days ago. That is, that is clearly one of the best baseball stories of the White Sox. Have provided two of the best baseball stories of the year. Yeah. Um, we we have another question. I don't know how to answer this one. Maybe we'll save it. But it's from at Kev or at not really Calvin. But his name is Kevbot, and it's what happened to Sandy Rosario. Doug, do you know? He was in the Angels minor league system earlier this year. I don't know if he's still there or not. But on the other hand, uh, who cares? <laughs> I think that's a good stopping point right there. <laughs> uh, all right, so we'll be back next week. The Giants will hopefully have won more than one game. <laughs> I mean, I'm not optimistic. No, you're never optimistic. No, That's never. what makes you you. That's not my brand. And uh, so we'll be back and we'll talk about the losing or maybe the winning. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at every sixth day. You can also at us through the McCovey Croncast Twitter account at McCroncast. Doug? Uh, I am on Twitter at, at MoonwalkMcFly, and please remember, we are the highest-rated podcast in iTunes history, still. That's right. So uh, please rate us five stars, and we'll still do that. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> Bye.